I want you to hit me as hard as you can. He's one of the most influential comedians of all time, starred in some of the greatest films ever made, and can play literally anything and everything, from an old Asian man to a donkey. Eddie Murphy shaped pop culture with nothing more than a few dirty jokes and a handful of great films. Sometimes his name conjures up wonderful cinematic comedy. Other times it conjures nothing but the shittiest of shit. But that is the special enigma that is Eddie. You never know what's gonna happen when Mr. Murphy is around. So what the fuck happened to Eddie Murphy? WTF! <laughs> Eddie Murphy grew up in Brooklyn. He had a rough childhood. They were poor. His mother was very ill and he had to spend some time in foster care. And his biological father was murdered. So Eddie used comedy to escape his real-life drama. And he actually looks back on his childhood with mostly happy memories. He was having so much fun that he didn't realize he was poor. He loved television and would imitate the cartoon voices he heard. And young Eddie focused more on making people laugh than going to class. And after making a few female classmates scream while doing an Al Green impression at a talent show, he knew exactly what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. And he did just that. Still doing just that. And that's when he started performing his own stand-up routines. At the age of 15. Stand-up comedy fans would often witness little Eddie telling his jokes at local bars and such. He would enter local gong show competition type things. And once a bar owner was so impressed that he hired Eddie to work at his bar and paid him a dollar a minute to do his stand-up. Young Mr. Murphy was now a professional comedian. And he claims to have only bombed twice on stage, which is unheard of for most comedians. He was exceptional at raunchy, observational comedy. And he did hysterical impressions of celebrities and other characters. And according to Wikipedia, his comedy style is characterized by copious profanity and sketches lampooning a diverse group of people. By the age of 19, he was cast on Saturday Night Live. Eddie was a scene-stealing featured performer at first, who single-handedly saved Saturday Night Live from cancellation. He created memorable characters and completely reinvented SNL with his infectious energy. Of course, the SNL success caused Eddie to have his sights on Hollywood with the film 48 Hours. This film pretty much pioneered the buddy cop movie. Critics and audiences loved it. There was a new sheriff in town, and his name was Eddie Murphy. Eddie had successfully made the transition from TV to film, and he made it look so easy. Plus, he had a stand-up career, which was at an all-time high with Delirious. And that same year came Trading Places, which brought him a Golden Globe nomination for his wonderful performance alongside fellow SNLer Dan Aykroyd. Then Eddie Murphy changed the world with Beverly Hills Cop. This was a box office smash and pretty much made him a superstar overnight. He was like the most famous person in the world. A successful sequel followed. Critics didn't like it as much, but it, it you know, it did all right. And he returned to stand up with the classic comedy special, Raw. It was raw. I would like to talk to you about some of the things that you do in your show. 
smash hit after smash hit on the silver screen and on the stand-up comedy stage, Eddie Murphy was reaching success previously thought to be impossible for a comedian. He was the Michael Jackson of comedy, or the Michael Jordan, or the Michelangelo, any, any of the Michaels. And Eddie was more than just a comedian, he was an unstoppable force full of laughter and leather. Oh yeah, and he had a hit song, Party All the Time. He, he was a true renaissance man, like, like I said, Michelangelo. Then came The Golden Child, which made money, but it wasn't really liked by critics. Audiences weren't too crazy for it either at the time, but over time people started to look back at the film as one of his better performances, so you never know. Some films age like wine, and they taste better after a couple decades in a cellar. But any doubt in Eddie was soon shaken off by Coming to America, another massive hit. And this film would show the world that Eddie had Peter Sellers-like abilities to play multiple characters, each hilarious in their own special way. Aha! Aha! Then he stepped behind the camera for his directorial debut with Harlem Nights. It should have been a massive hit with Eddie alongside his comedy idol, Richard Pryor, but no, critics and audiences didn't really like it that much. But it would take more than just a couple of not-so-good movies to hurt Eddie. It would take a lot of not-so-good movies to hurt Eddie, which would definitely be coming. And we all know that Eddie loves sequels, but sometimes sequels don't love Eddie, and audiences don't love them either and get tired of seeing the same thing over and over, like with Another 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop 3. I haven't seen those. I like the first ones. People say these are not as good, and I will trust them, but I'll still watch it anyway because you gotta give things a fair chance. But people say these are bad, so they're bad. Bad movies. Bad. Then came along another batch of less-than-successful films like Boomerang and The Distinguished Gentleman, alongside the infamous Vampire of Brooklyn, which suffered a lot of Hollywood behind-the-scenes drama and even had a tragic death of a stuntwoman. The film seemed cursed from the beginning. I would love to have you for dinner. So Eddie really needed to change things up a bit, and he most certainly did with The Nutty Professor. He was covered in fantastic fat makeup and was unrecognizable, but the Eddie charm that we all know and love was there and more. And more and more and more. Seven characters more. I saw this film as a child and I could not believe it when I heard that the Klump family was played by one man. My innocent mind didn't think such things were possible. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? No, 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 no. Those were seven different people. Don't try to fool me, adults. But no, they were all Eddie, except for the kid. But and Eddie does these kinds of things. Eddie makes you believe that anything is possible. That's what Eddie does. He makes us believe. <laughs> so The Nutty Professor was his answer to Coming to America, and it worked out great. So Metro was his answer to Beverly Hills Cop, and it didn't work out as great. It didn't really work out well at all. And by this time, it was now widely accepted that Eddie was not a perfect movie-making machine. And after Metro, he tried to stay away from R-rated content in his movies. There was still plenty of R-rated content in Eddie's personal life. Like there was that 1997 scandal, which had something to do with Eddie Murphy and a transsexual prostitute. Eddie claims he was just being a good Samaritan, giving her a ride home. I believe you, Eddie, I believe you. The scandal left people confused, but Eddie walked away clean, and he was pretty much able to escape the backlash of the scandal. Even though SNL did mock the incident. Video unavailable. Many lawsuits also resulted with Eddie and gossip tabloids. 
And the prostitute involved mysteriously was found dead a year later. And of course, many conspiracy theories have come of this, especially since she was writing a tell-all book at the time. And nobody really talks about this anymore. Except for me, I'm talking about it right now. But other than that, nobody really talks about how Eddie Murphy was with a transsexual prostitute and then she died a year later. Nobody talks about that scandal except for me talking about it right now. But hey, that's that's just me talking about it right now. Nobody really talks about it other than right now, But because most people don't really care. I don't care. It's not a big deal. I, it's just, it's probably, it's probably, it's nothing. It's probably nothing. Okay, yeah, so yeah, back back to movies, back to movies. Uh, yeah, so the next step in Eddie's career was more family-friendly, like Dr. Doolittle, which was a big hit, big enough to get a sequel, and The Nutty Professor got another successful sequel as well, and major animated triumphs with Mulan and Shrek. Everybody loves that dragon and that donkey. They're the best, they're hilarious. He kind of changed the way certain comedians look at voice acting. And of course, he stole the show in Shrek, and Eddie was the first and I think the only voice performance ever to be nominated for a BAFTA. Simply incredible, Mr. Murphy. And the Shrek movies were so popular that they kept making them for like a decade. There's a ride, and there's karaoke bash parties, and directed DVD Christmas specials, and it's just a juggernaut. It's unstoppable. Got the, got the child, a little tenderness. And Eddie Murphy ended the millennium with a hilarious bang in 1999's Bowfinger. 1999, great year for movies, and this was one of them. But Bowfinger wasn't exactly a blockbuster, but it did make money and critics loved it. Bowfinger has actually become a cult favorite. And he got to play two characters, and it was a hilarious satire on Hollywood. It's great, check it out. Go to your local video store and rent it. And this is some of Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin's best work. Not to mention, it was directed by Yoda. And while Eddie was doing all this awesomeness, he was also creating an animated show called The PJs. Anybody remember The PJs? I remember The PJs. I never watched it, but I remembered the, the advertisements and seeing the commercials. It looks good. Get law, Sanchez! Can't you see I'm bonding with Fatso? The beginning of the 21st century delivered Eddie a series of forgettable films, like Life, Holy Man, and Showtime. I only remember Showtime because it was the first movie that I didn't like. I was in middle school, and at the time, I pretty much could enjoy anything that was slapped up on the silver screen. And I was just happy to be at the movies, you know? I love movies. I loved movies. I loved, I still love movies. Movies, all movies were, were good to me back then. And I was like, well, look, there's Eddie Murphy. I like him. And there's Robert De Niro. I like him. So why don't I like this movie? My young, innocent mind could not handle such things. It was a real eye-opening moment for me. Showtime showed me that it wasn't always showtime at the cinema. Movies could be bad. Eddie Murphy could be bad. It's showtime. Showtime. It's showtime. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. His first major flop was The Adventures of Pluto Nash. That's 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if you're good at math, but 4% is not a lot of tomatoes. It cost over $100 million and could barely earn back seven worldwide. And I don't know if you're good at math, that's a lot of millions. Gone. Lost forever. And this, this was the moment that we all took a step back and re-examined our lives and thought, does Eddie Murphy suck now? Whoa! Whoa! This was followed by the very forgettable I Spy. 
At least I forgot about it. It, it was made during the time when it felt like everybody had a Owen Wilson buddy comedy. And Eddie Murphy needed his, so this was it. Then there was Daddy Daycare, which made a lot of money because kids cost a lot of money. But everybody hated it. It was so bad that only Cuba Gooding Jr. would do the sequel. In 2003, Disney wanted to turn their classic amusement park attractions into cinematic blockbuster phenomenons, like Pirates of the Caribbean, which worked, and The Haunted Mansion, which was an obvious choice, but it didn't work. But the film made a lot of money, so it worked on that level. But when compared to Pirates of the Caribbean, it was nowhere near as loved and, and is seen as a failure. It was dead on arrival to the critics. <laughs> Don't you make no dark spirits come out while I'm sitting there. Wait till I leave before the dark spirits come out. The Haunted Mansion. His career is like a roller coaster. Eddie has many ups and downs. And his first big comeback came in 2006. He proved that he could act when he wants to with Dreamgirls. He was singing and dancing and legit acting. It was refreshing and bizarre to hear Eddie Murphy's name mentioned amongst the Hollywood talk of awards season. It's like, what, Eddie Murphy? Like, the Eddie Murphy? He did something good and we're, we're, we're talking about him? The Academy Award people are talking about him? I can't believe it. And he won the Golden Globe, finally, and was nominated for an Oscar. And he was considered the front runner to win. I actually remember being surprised when he lost to Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine. Which is a fine performance, don't get me wrong, I like me some Alan Arkin. He did great, he deserves it. But I was 100% sure that Eddie was gonna win that year. And in my mind, he did win. So everybody thought that Eddie was back to his old, talented self again. We couldn't wait for his next good movie to come out. So we're like, what are you gonna do next, Eddie? What are you gonna do next? And... Next he did Norbit. He won three Razzies and was nominated for five in a single year. Worst actor, worst supporting actor, worst on-screen couple, worst everything. He was just nominated for like every category. And once again he played multiple characters, but the charm of the Nutty Professor just wasn't there. And that same year he had some baby mama drama with Scary Spice, which that probably hurt his career even more. But not as bad as Norbit. Oh, no way. <laughs> then there was another series of failures. Meet Dave. Imagine that. A Thousand Words, which has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Zero. No percentile. But there was Tower Heist, which made a lot of money. And people seemed to enjoy. But the success of Tower Heist was overshadowed by the controversy of director Brett Ratner. In 2011, Eddie dropped out of hosting the Oscars because his buddy, Brett Ratner, was forced to leave as program director after a controversial interview on Howard Stern, where Brett Ratner surprisingly acted like Brett Ratner in a Howard Stern-like way on The Howard Stern Show. What do you expect, people? Come on. So dropping out as the host of the Oscars at the last minute upset many members of the Academy, and one must not offend the powerful members of the Academy of the Motion Pictures of Society, or what are they called? You can't, you can't, you can't upset them. Nope. And Eddie did. He upset them. It was not a good Eddie. Why would you, why would you do something to upset them? Eddie don't care. Eddie do his own thing. Eddie doesn't care about awards, but he got one. I got, he got a good one. In 2015, Eddie received the Mark Twain Award for humor, which is a great honor for funny people. That same year was the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special, and everyone was so excited to see Eddie's return to the show that launched his career. 
But what we got was awkward and not funny and very underwhelming. It was like a one minute speech of just him saying, thank you. It was not the glorious Saturday Night Live comeback that we were all hoping for. But be patient, people of 2015. Just you wait. He then tried his hand at drama with a smaller film called Mr. Church. It was a nice effort, but the film didn't do much for most people. But you know, he, he tried hard, and you could see like he wanted to act. There was an actor in there somewhere, deep down. And then his brother Charlie passed away. And I, I don't know if this is related or not, but Eddie took a few years off. And from the beginning, Eddie had always planned to take some time off. This, this retirement was, it wasn't an accident. He always wanted to take a break from movies. He only wanted to make movies until he was about 50 or so. That's what he's always said. So I guess once you hit a certain milestone in your career, you, you just don't care anymore. Eddie didn't really care. Which is okay, you don't have to care. But, I mean, it would be nice, but, but I, I, I get it. He was done with Hollywood. He conquered that mountain, and he just wanted to relax at home with his ten kids. And actually, Eddie said that now he just makes movies out of boredom. Thank God Eddie got bored, because he recently gave us one of his best performances to date, with Dolomite Is My Name. There's been award buzz surrounding this Netflix flick, and Eddie seems to be on top again, especially after his incredible return to SNL. He hosted a great episode where he brought back some of our favorite Eddie characters with a fresh new take. This was the Eddie we wanted, and we're so happy this is the Eddie we have right now, and we really hope that this is the Eddie we continue to have forever. So what the fuck did happen to Eddie Murphy? Well, a lot happened. A lot of great films, a lot of not so great films, a couple of scandals, but he's fun to root for. Even when his films are maximum suckage, you still want him to win. You still want Eddie to succeed, because I believe that the world never stopped believing in Eddie. We knew that he had more good films in him. He just needed to get the bad ones out of his system. And now he's back to good old Eddie. A big old smile, sassy energy. I love me some Eddie. <laughs> so things seem good for Eddie. It's all good news. <laughs> extra, extra breaking news. Eddie Murphy is funny again. I repeat, Eddie Murphy is funny again. And that's some of the best news I've heard in a long time. So thanks for the laughs, Eddie. I knew I could count on you. And uh, we just, if we could get the script just right, it's something that will do. But it has oh. to be perfect, because I don't want to do anything else that sucks yeah. ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good goal. Yeah. That's a really good goal. I think most of That's us have I'm that striving. goal. Good. Well, I, I hope- I don't want to suck no more. No. <laughs> <laughs>